Hey guys, this is Ryan Grow with Lifeway Films, and recently I had the pleasure of watching Someone Like You, which is a film by Karen Kingsbury, and I was blown away. This film really illustrated some beautiful concepts that are, that are really packaged in a gospel-centric framework. You're going to walk out of the theater feeling good, encouraged in your faith, and really this movie helps provide a framework for forgiveness and walking through tough times. So if you get a chance, I would encourage you, go to someonelikeyou.movie, and while you're there, sign up for Karen's A-list. You can purchase tickets, learn more about the movie, see the trailer. That's someonelikeyou.movie. I think you'll really enjoy this film. Welcome back to the show. What an exciting time this has been. I have been getting great feedback from you. And so thankful that you are joining me on this journey because I've told a thousand stories, like I've said, um, a lot of stories, but I've never told mine. And that's where this gets exciting. Uh, Last week, you were with me and you heard that I had Francine Rivers as my guest. And we talked about fiction and what it means to open up your heart. And just share what God has placed there um, in a way that really sometimes you can't do unless you live a little bit of it too. And so today I am going to have my youngest son on the show. And he is the one that uh, was born with a heart defect. We had no idea. We were actually told we were having a healthy girl. And then we ended up having a boy who had a heart defect. And I'll tell you, when I write about emotional scenes in my books, a lot of that comes from what it was like to take your baby, put him into the arms of a surgeon and and say goodbye and not know if you're going to be able to ever hold him again. So uh, I know that place personally. And when I write about it, it's very real for me. And so um, without waiting any longer, I'd like to introduce my youngest son, Austin Robert Russell. Hey, how's it going? Hey there. Thanks so much for joining me on this crazy show. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here today. Yeah. Well, you know, I had, I uh, will have Tyler on the show later as we get toward the end of these 16 episodes. Um, EJ, I'm going to wait for next season because he wants to talk about the book he wrote. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But for those of yes. you who live nearby, it was like fun to be able to have you on and to be able to talk about something that's a little deeper, obviously. Um, you lived it, and you know I, I'll, I'll retell again what that was like for me because I don't know if you've ever like I know you've heard it, but just looking at you face to face and being able to let you know what that was like. Karen Kingsbury's movie "Someone Like You" opens April second in theaters across the U.S. and Canada. Based on Karen's popular novel by the same name, "Someone Like You" is a beautiful redemptive love story that the media has called one of the most anticipated films of 2024. After losing his best friend London, architect Dawson Gage launches into an impossible search for his friend's twin sister, twins separated as embryos. The film is a beautiful love story that illustrates pain and redemption through a gospel-centric narrative. Someone Like You opens in theaters everywhere on April 2nd. Visit someonelikeyou.movie to sign up for Karen's A-list, purchase tickets, or learn more about the movie. Again, that's someonelikeyou.movie. Yeah, we were in my heart of hearts. I was hopeful when we were going to have a third child that my new baby was going to be a boy. I don't know. I loved having a girl, but I was one of many girls in my family. And I just thought one girl would be great. You know, we would spend so much time together. And I wasn't, in my mind, I thought if I could have a little boy and if he could be, you know, the tall blonde boy like my husband's, this tall blonde guy like dad. So 
anyway, that's what I was thinking. And I immediately was sorry to God because I thought I'm not supposed to special order a child and whatever child the Lord gives is going to be a, a beautiful blessing. And uh, so we went to the ultrasound, me and dad, and sure enough, you know, they said, oh, your baby's a girl. We'd bet the house on it. And uh, this was a small town where we lived in Arizona at the time. And I think um, yeah, maybe the technology wasn't, you know, as good as it could have been. Uh, but then, then, you know, the time comes and we actually moved to Washington while I'm, you know, six weeks from delivering. And sure enough, there you are and you're a baby boy and then it took a few weeks before I realized, you know, something was wrong. Like you weren't breathing right. You kind of kept, you, you, your chest would lift every single time you took a breath. And I know you don't remember any of that, but for me, I knew something was wrong. And so finally on your third week, I took you back for your visit and I said, something is not right with this child. Please check and see, check everything, check his heart. I don't know why I said that. It was just sort of, I think the Lord just put that in my mind to say. And so they they checked your heart and finally they could hear the heart murmur that something was wrong. And they you just see the doctor's expression fall and you knew something was really, really wrong. And so they told me to uh, go home, pack up a bag for the hospital and go ahead and, uh, you know, take my husband and, and everybody, you know, the three of us go to the hospital because you needed to be admitted and that it looked like you would probably need heart surgery. And, you know, you're just barely getting over having a baby and and sleep is not a real thing. And um, here's this little baby who you were, you had blue fingernails. Like you're, I could tell you weren't getting enough oxygen. And um, yeah, so we go in and they do a check and they're like, yeah, he's going to have to have emergency heart surgery in the morning. He's basically, you were dying of congestive heart failure at three weeks old because you had been born with a coarctation of the aorta, so the aorta was pinched, and you were born uh, with a bicuspid aortic valve. So you couldn't fix that part. We're all supposed to have three leaflets. You have two. That's just how God made your heart, your very special heart. Um, and yet you had this coarctation, so the blood wasn't able to flow through to the aorta. So they told me what they would do. They told me and Dad that they're going to take the artery out of your left arm and use that to patch up your aorta. Now, can you imagine? They're like, he'll have to be on a heart-lung machine. And honestly, you know, 50-50 whether he'll survive it. And we had just, you know, we had just met you. And as soon as I held you the first time, I knew that you were that blonde, blue-eyed boy. Like you were the, you were your dad's little replica. And, you know, we already had Tyler, who was an amazing, he looked like my dad. And he was, uh, you know... Loved all the arts and everything right from the beginning, but I just knew you were that athlete kid that was just like your dad. And uh, but now I was going to have to say goodbye to you at the third week mark. Um, and so yeah, when you're when you're giving your baby over to a surgeon, they don't take the baby away on a gurney. They come and find you. They were dad and I were standing there holding you behind this sort of curtain in an area they were giving us a private moment and we were saying goodbye and I just kept whispering into your ear, you know, come back to me, please come back to me, please come back to me. Um, the night before I'd gotten to give you your first little bath um, because, you know, your, your umbilical cord had fallen off and so but you had no scars on your body and it was just like you looked perfect. You looked absolutely perfect, but your heart was failing. 
And so, you know, we kissed you goodbye. We prayed over you. And, you know, honestly, the surgeon was crying too. Like the surgeon actually had tears in his eyes. And so um, we gave we gave you over. And then we went and found a place and we prayed. And God gave us the greatest peace during that time. It was, um, there was nothing we could do about it. It was all in God's hands at that point. And so, you know, they, they came back four hours later. And during that time, it was funny because, you know, we had some phone calls with some family members who were panicked because they'd never gotten to meet you. And you were just, you know, three weeks old. And like, especially Aunt Trish, she said, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Should I jump on a plane? Like, I can't believe he's in surgery. Like, I didn't even get to hold him yet. And I said very calmly, like a supernatural moment, I said, you know, Trish, as long as you have Jesus, as long as he's your savior, you'll see him. It's just a matter of where. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, we both cried. And it was just a, a one of those, a long four-hour session. And then the doctor came back and he said, great news. He did really well. And, um, you know, he may be sickly, maybe it might be a shorter kid, but you know, he's. I think he's going to make it. <laughs> How tall are you, Austin? <laughs> I'm six five, so <laughs> definitely not um, six or short. That's for sure. <laughs> no, the Lord had the last, the last thought about that, didn't he? Amen. <laughs> so, before we talk more about that and about what that journey has been like for you, I'd like to hear a little more about you today. You are an actor. Um, last year was an incredible experience for you. You were in three movies, and one of those was someone like you. Um, and I would really yes. love to hear about that, about what it was like to be in, you know, my movie, a movie that our family was actually putting together. We paid for it ourselves out of our savings. And so tell us about that. I want to hear uh, you you're you're playing Matt Bryan in someone yes. like you. Yeah. Yes. I have the honor of playing Matt Bryan and um it really is such an honor to be a part of your film. You know, it's it's interesting growing up, obviously, in the family and going to events since I was a little kid and, and getting to see people just, you know, love your books and God use your books to change lives. Uh, when I heard you say that you guys were going to make someone like you into a movie, I knew I had to jump on the opportunity. So at this point, I had already been, you know, acting and, and I started acting in college and... Um, kind of fell in love with it there studying theater and and I I knew I wanted to do it but I knew I wanted to do it correctly and go through the process correctly and so uh, I wanted to, to earn this role of Matt and so I I called up my agent and, and I got her to uh, get me the audition the casting director uh, Ricky Masler who's who's an amazing casting director and uh, and yeah and it worked out God God had all the plans lined up uh, and it worked out perfectly and we were blessed to film before the strike too. That was that was another huge blessing. Yeah, and Austin, you're 26 now, so you see, um, you know, acting since college. So it's been a number of years. You've been yeah. acting already, and you know, I I want you to know, I so respected your decision to go through your agent and through Ricky Maslar, the casting director, because it was the right thing to do. But you know, I you you I know you're a very talented actor, and I knew I wanted you as Matt. I mean, you don't get the girl at the end of the day, but I knew that <laughs> you would play that so well, and I just knew it. But I really respected that it mattered to you to go through the right channels. And I told Ricky, I said, it really matters to Austin that he wins the part. And you won it. I was really proud of you. And and not just that, but on set, you were such a light on set. 
um, you know, I don't know, you, you've always had this thing. It's funny, our, our, you know, son that was born with a heart defect has always had one of the biggest hearts toward people when you were younger. Um, you would be the one that had all these friends, but you would go and sit at the table with the guy, you know, who had nobody, who had no friends, and you would have lunch with him, even in second and third and fourth grade. Uh, and on set, you were that same person. I could just see that, you know, here you are, you're grown up, yes, six five, but um, but but looking for the person who needed a, a hug or conversation or a smile. You just make uh, other people happy when you are around them, and you have a very special heart. There's just well, no question about it. Well, I think it's uh, thank you, but I, I think it's you know I know what it's like to not feel seen. I think we all do. I think in our in our day and age of social media and, and, and all of us being on our phones and we're we're far more distracted than we are engaged in life and engaged in conversations. And I think that as Christians, we're called to love other people and we're called to, you know, even when we aren't maybe having the best day, you know, people don't realize being on a film set, it's it's the minimum hours is, is twelve. So you're working twelve plus hours every day, uh, not a normal sleep schedule usually. It's very high pressure, very high intensity, and uh, it's easy for people to be strung up. And it's also a place where there's not a lot of faith. And so I think it's the film set is, is a perfect opportunity and a perfect place to really just be the hands and feet and to, to go, you know what, I'm not going to be perfect. You know, I have days where maybe I'm more focused or, you know, I'm, it's been a longer day for me. But the, the best I can to actually see people you know, to look them in the eye and to say, hey, thanks for being here or, you know, how's your day going? Because I do think that we live in a culture and a society where we're just way too focused on other things. Yeah. People are being missed, you know. Yeah. You, you, you're not thinking about the person who's right in front of you. And exactly. And that's something that you do just naturally. And I've always loved that about you, truly. You know, you talked about the... um the stress, sort of the high intensity of being on a set, and um, it's work. It's I think a lot of people think you know just show up and be yourself. Uh, it's not the case. There's so much going on. We get to sit in the theater and watch someone like you on the screen, and it feels like we're just right there at the zoo, and no one else is there, or we're right there at the you know at the house and at the at the Allen house, and and it's just you know a cozy moment, and we just get to peek inside and see. That's not what it's like. Tell us, what is it really like on a set when you're in the middle of trying to film? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely not that. It's it's not, uh, like you said, it's not uh, the scene's perfect and everything's clear and it's just you and the actor, the actress, whoever you're doing the scene with. It's it's not that at all. It's, you know, you have crew members just off to your right and left. You have, you know, at the zoo, for instance, for filming with someone like you, you have uh you know, like people who are actually at the zoo who wanted to see what was going on. So just off camera, just off lens, you have actual people taking pictures and videos. And, you know, it's, 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 it takes a big effort to stay locked in, to stay focused, to actually yeah. listen, listen and be there. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a team effort. I think that's, that's my, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but my background is, is in sports. And it's part of the reason I fell in love with acting is because it takes everybody. It, it, you can't just have the director or the writer or the actors. You need every single person on set to make a movie yep. or to make a TV show. It really is a team effort and everyone needs to bring their best. And, and everyone is so important and so critical to the overall you know, work that you're doing. 
Oh, it's so true. I was shocked when I was on set, just, you know, 25 dates in a row that we filmed for someone like you. And, you know, there were, I mean, it wasn't in a row. I guess we did five days on, two days off, five days on. But Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you're talking 50 people. It's like the art department and wardrobe and, you know, you had the sound department and makeup and hair and everyone. And there's all this like language that I didn't know, like, uh, you know, last looks, all right, last looks. And I mean, I get it now, but like, oh, okay, that means make sure that their hair and their makeup is what it was before, you know, and now that they've taken a few seconds or minutes to have a break, like last looks, make sure they're back to where they were. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. Like 50 people working and then another 50 mm-hmm. people watching. And, uh, well, tell me, like, tell, t- I think it's an interesting thing to know. What does an actor do? What do you do to get ready for a role? That's a great question. Uh, I think it, it really depends on the actor. I think every actor has their own process. I think that if you're trying to get into acting, that you should have your own process and find it, uh, like I said, I, as someone who studied some theater in college, I didn't major in it, but as someone who was able to study some theater, I, I like to take a little bit more of a traditional approach. And for me, I find that the character development is super important. So I love actually getting the script or getting the book and, and actually writing notes and really diving into the character development. I think that's critical, in my opinion, uh, as an actor. So I love deeper doing on that. that. Like, what does that mean? Like the character development. Tell no, me like, it's, you know, like, let's talk about Matt for someone like whether you. Whether it's the role for like Matt for a, 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 an amazing movie that has the beautiful thing about Matt is there was all this material. So there was a book that I did read before. And if you're an actor and you're going to be in a movie about a book, you should read it. Uh, it's part of your job. <laughs> uh, but so I, I was blessed with Matt to have a lot of material. So there's a lot to already go off of. Now, it doesn't mean that there isn't some character development that you can do on your own, giving even more of a backstory that maybe the book doesn't give. Or if there's a scene where he's upset or he's hurt or he's happy, finding out, like, why is that? Is that purely off of the emotion in the scene? Or is there a chance that maybe some of that stems from his childhood, which would never be talked about in the book? But it's your job as an actor to get behind all that, to find the reasons for why you're doing all that. And uh, sometimes, you know, it might be a commercial and you might not have anything but guide number three or whatever, you know, it might be a small role. And yeah, in my opinion, it's still your job as an actor to go through the proper steps of finding why is that, even if it's guy number three, why is he like that? You know, what makes him tick? What makes him move? What makes him work? Why is he the way that he is? And it's our job to fill in those blanks that the script doesn't provide. So that's part what did of you do? Uh, yeah. And what did you do for Matt? What did you give? What did you, what kind of backstory did you kind of come up with? He was, he had to go through a, a lot. And uh, so what were you thinking on that? He did. And I don't have my notes on me, but yeah, no. if you look at it, and, and I'm, another thing too, is I love the physical copy. So I love to print out the script. A lot of actors love the, their script online, mm-hmm. which is great. Again, whatever works, works. Uh, I think I'm a little bit more old school and I love to actually have the script. So yeah. for me, for Matt, it's, it's, it was, um, like I said, I had a lot of material to go off of, which, which yeah. really helped. Uh, there was still a lot to do, but it was more with Matt applying the material that was given in the book and the script to uh, what we were going to be filming, to yeah. the scenes, to, to everything around you. Because a big chunk of the battle, I think, with acting is just obviously listening and being in the moment. It's so easy, like you said, Mm -hmm. to be distracted. It's so easy to get on set and to be overwhelmed or 
maybe you're working with an actor who you looked up to as a kid or you watched them in movies as a kid. And, and it's, it's easy to not be in, in the proper headspace, right? Yeah. But uh, that's where the work ahead of time really, really helps. And for me, uh, another thing is music. So mm. I think that, um, especially big scenes, I think applying music can really help. So as I go through the script and as I'm memorizing and as I'm writing notes, I might have a song. And maybe if it's a, if it's a happy, I don't want to tell too much of someone like you story because <laughs> we want people to go see it in theaters April yeah. 2nd. But if it is a happy scene, then, you know, maybe I'll have a, a song that I feel like represents that scene. And then, you know, opposite, if it's maybe a sad scene or a harder scene, I can have a song playing that I feel like maybe matches the emotion of what I'm trying to meet in that scene, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And I think with Matt, um, you know, Matt has a, goes through a loss in this story, um, not one that he was expecting. <clears throat> and in some ways, Austin, Robert Russell, you can relate to going through a loss you weren't expecting. And I think maybe we use that moment to kind of transition back to the story of your life. And that is being born with a heart defect, having heart surgery as a baby. And, uh, you know, the doctor told us you'll come in every year for a checkup and we'll just keep watching. We're watching for technically um, regurgitation around the bicuspid aortic valve. And we're looking for any kind of pressure or leakage around the repair site. So every year you go in and you'd have an echocardiogram or, um, you know, a cardiac MRI or that kind of a test. When do you, how far back where you go, okay, I remember I was this age and I, and I knew something was different and I had to go in for these checkups. That's a great question. I would say probably, I mean, young, 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 because I think, yeah, I mean, probably maybe six, seven, it's hard to to Mm -hmm. really pinpoint when. Yeah, uh, because a lot of those early years just feel like a blur. Um, yeah, but I, honestly, as long as I can remember, I've been it was our special to, day. Yeah, exactly. And and as long as I can remember, that's that's been a, a part of my life is going in yearly, and and uh, you know it's a whole day of tests. And like you said, it it was a day where we used to have a you know a little date day, and yeah, um, try to make it fun for you. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can't imagine, I'm not a parent and I can't imagine what you were going through, but obviously as a kid, it's scary. You, you go to the hospital and, you know, you have all these wires hooked up to you and you have uh, all these different rooms and different people coming in and checking you and you don't really know what's going on. You don't know if they're going to take you away from your mom or your family, if, if they're going to tell you you're okay, you're not okay. And um, you did such an amazing job at trying to mm-hmm. keep it fun. And also to keep it, try to keep it Christ-centered, you know, to try to, to remind me that, hey, this is, you know, this is how God made you and he, there's a reason and he's got you, you know. Um, and one of the ways you, you did that was you always, we always got a little stuffed animal <laughs> when I was a kid <laughs> at the hospital or right yeah. after. And uh, that the was gift shop. Fun. Yes, at the gift shop of the hospital. And that was... Um, that was such a special memory as a kid because, you know, you're just this little kid and it gave you a little bit of normalcy amidst mm-hmm. the chaos of it all, which was, which was such a beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. Cause I look back on those days and, and some days I've some of my favorite memories and favorite moments of laughter with you 
and then at the same time, some extreme, you know, hardships and difficulties and, and some of my worst memories and, and hardest moments as well on those yeah. types of days. So it's, it's a special bond that we got to experience growing up like that. That really is. That really is. It brings tears to my eyes to think about it all the time because I did do my best to keep my personal fears and concerns down and take those to Jesus and not let you see them. We'd sit in that dark room while they were doing tests. They would let me stay as long as it wasn't a cardiac MRI. I couldn't be in the room, but the other ones I could. And they'd put cartoons on or something when you were little and I would hold your hand and pray over you and we'd maybe sing Jesus Loves Me or something. Um but I looked forward to those times too. We always kept getting good checkups. And the thing about you is you really were and are that athlete kid. That's the, just the guy that I pictured, this, this son that I pictured when I first found out that I was going to have a third child. And, um, you know, you excelled at sports from the very earliest days. Like you were amazing. You were taller than the other kids. You were stronger. You were the home run hitter on your little league team, like just, I still have all your home run baseballs. Like they're still, I marked them with a Sharpie, like what day it was and why it was, you know, a special one. And, um, and just watching you play, you know, basketball, you were just, you, I mean, as a little baby, I was like, I mean, you were like one, one and a half, whatever, two, and you would just, you ball was your first word. And you would just do like the basketball shooting motion with your hands. Your dad's a basketball coach. And, you know, you just <laughs> loved, loved, loved it. And you were so, so good at it. And, uh, but quickly, by the time you were in middle school, for sure, football was the sport. And I just, you're, you know, you were tight end, you had big hands, you had fast feet, very coordinated. And, uh, Early on, people were, were saying, hey, like, he's got D1 potential. Like, this guy's going to play college ball. Who knows? He may play in the pros. Like, and, of course, every time you took the field playing football, for me, as a mom of, of a baby who had a heart defect, it was just like my heart was, my heart was in my throat. Like, I mean, I wanted to cheer. I wanted to be excited. But I just was like, is this safe? Is this good? And we kept checking with the doctor. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. You know, he's doing really well. He can play. Um, and, and yeah, talk about how, I mean, by the time you got in high school, the kind of, le- like the kind of letters you were getting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, thankfully, praise God, I, it's all part of the story. But I was, um, I was being recruited by some pretty awesome schools. And, and yeah. uh you know, it had been for a long time. It had been my dream to play uh, in the NFL, and this felt like the first step. And my head coach in high school was is uh, was Ingle Martin, and he was a former NFL quarterback. So he yeah. had had that experience. And I remember him sitting me down and was like, "Hey, if you work hard, you have the build. You know, God has given you the build and the frame. You could do this thing, you know. If that's what you want, if you if you continue to stay passionate and work hard, uh, and like you said, growing up in a in a home who where my dad was a coach, and you guys did an incredible job of supporting everybody's passions and dreams. I know you said you wanted the kid who who played sports, but you guys were also the same. You know, you were front row at every show. For Kelsey and yeah, because we had we had the, the exactly. kids that did art. So I guess, yeah, they're <laughs> exactly. amazing. Exactly. Yeah. So you guys did it. It was such a fun family to grow up in because it was like front row in the arts. Uh, and then it was also like front row in the stadiums, right? And uh, yep. and 
yeah, I, it, you know, through a lot of hard work and a lot of God opening the doors, it, I really felt like I hit my stride uh, playing tight end. Um, and things were starting to fall into place. You know, I could really see I was, I started getting recruited as a freshman in high school. And uh, I, I could see that that was where I was headed. I could see that that was where, it, at the time, where I totally thought this is obviously where God wants me. You know, I'm, I'm a good Christian kid. I'm in His Word. I'm praying. Uh, I'm, I'm working my butt off. You know, two, three times a day training. And I, to me, it was like very clear. This is where God wants me. And at the time, my you know, just like all things in life as human beings, we get complacent. And at the time, you know, you spend your whole life going to a doctor's checkup every year. And when you have 15 years, 16 years, 17 years of good news, which is such a blessing, you start to just go, oh, this is, you don't even think about the possibility of there being the other side of that, there being bad news. You know, you just go, oh, I can play. Great. You just kind of skip over it. Every year I got a little bit older and it was just a little bit more of a skip over, a little bit more of a perfect, this is something we have to do, just check the boxes, let me get back out on the field. And that's where my headspace was at. You know, I'm getting recruited. The last thing I'm thinking about is is my heart condition. That's that's the last thing on my mind. Yeah. Well, it was the first thing on mine and <clears throat> I could see that you had grown. You had... I think you actually skipped a shoe size. There was like a point where you were, you know, <laughs> do you remember? I my, did. My, I did. my feet are hurting. <laughs> yeah, I did skip a shoe size. Um, and I, I took you in. I said, we just got you shoes. How could your feet be hurting? And so we go in and they're like, yeah, you're not a 12. You're a 14. And it's like, okay, you're, you're, uh, you were a big guy and you are a big guy, you know, six foot five. So we go into the doctor. It's uh, spring of your sophomore year and you had just gotten equipment issued, I believe. Mm-hmm. for um for spring ball uh at school and we go in and yeah i mean the out, it was an out of body experience i think for both of us the doctor came in he talked to us this was after the tests and um then he said i'll be right back and he left and we were both kind of quiet like what and then he came in do you want to tell the story from there yeah i mean i'm kind of curious to hear from your perspective and then I yeah would sure to, i would love to chime in maybe okay. after or here and there. Yeah. yeah, it was such a it was such a day. So he comes in and he shakes his head. You know, he's got his clipboard. He looks at his clipboard. He looks at you. Um, he says, you know, Austin, um, I got some bad news for you. He said, your tests look good. Um, you know, but but I uh, I'm gonna have to tell you, you're done with football. You're you're done with football. And um, he said, you're just too big. Like you, I look at you and you can't be hitting bodies as big as yours now that the game has gotten so, you know, the game has gotten older for you and you've gotten older and your your size means that as you collide with somebody else, you have two out of the three uh, risk factors for sudden cardiac death on the field. And I'm just going to have to tell you, I, I'm really sorry, but football is going to have to be over. And uh, I looked at you, it was just a shock, like the floor felt like it had fallen away. And I looked at you and you were in shock for sure. And you said, are you, you're saying I can't play this year? It's like, no, no, Austin, I'm saying you can't play. And you said, do you mean I can't play in college? Like you just couldn't find a place where it made sense in your young heart and head that he was actually saying what he was actually saying. He said, Austin, you cannot suit up again. You're done. You can't put a helmet on again. You're done playing football. I don't know how to say Mm -hmm. it more clearly. 
How yeah. about you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that shock and chaos is like the best way to put it. You know, it's it's so crazy because here I am all these years later and I'm just a little kid sitting in a hospital room. Like the second that football is brought up, I'm right back there in that hospital bed. And I feel like my world's falling apart, you know, huh. and <clears throat> I remember, like you said, I remember trying to connect the dots and it just was not clicking in my brain. My brain could not figure out what he was saying. It didn't huh. make sense how earlier that day I was at practice. I practiced that day. Right. Uh, I think earlier that week, I mean, it was pretty regular, so I'm sure it happened, but earlier that week. You know, I was talking to college coaches. I was, and you were healthy. Yeah, I was. You know, your shoulders were healthy. Several Everything times was a healthy. day, I was. Yeah, I was in incredible shape. So it was. It, it was. It made no sense. And I and I do remember the doctor saying too. He said, "You know, a lot of kids don't have the build or the ability to play at the next level, and that's kind of the reason why you can't play anymore." So it was kind of like a double edged sword where God had given me this awesome build that I thought was going to open the doors to all my dreams. And instead that was the, actually the one thing that was the reason why I couldn't play anymore. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of that day is a blur. Mm -hmm. You know, I just remember weeping, absolutely weeping. Yeah. Uh, we got in the I, car. We, yeah. We didn't yeah. talk. Um, I hugged you. I held your hand, you know, I, I hugged you as we were driving home. I was driving and, um, and I, we both had tears just streaming down. As I, before we started, before I started the car, I texted dad and I just said, football's over. And he said, what? And I said, no, football's over. And so he was waiting for us. We parked in the garage, you know, downstairs. And then we walked up the stairs and dad was waiting at the top of the stairs for you. And I think that's the part that I'll always hold on to as one of the saddest things for me and be most beautiful was that dad just took you and you know, here you're taller than your dad, you know, and he just took you into his arms and he just held you and you just cried like a child. Like, uh, you know, you, you couldn't even begin to grasp what it all meant, but you understood it enough to know, like, it, it was just tragic. It was a tragic moment in your life that night. Um, Coach Ingle Martin came over to the house, dropped what he was doing with his family and just sat with you and let you cry. And he got emotional too. And he said, you know, it always ends sooner than you want it to end. And he played back up to Brett Favre for the Packers. So, but he said, for me, it still ended before I wanted it to end, you know, it was still that hard, but um, it was a, it was a, it was a devastating moment for you. You loved it yeah. so much. And um, it was just really, it was really tough. I don't know. I think, I think what I hold on to today is what happened after. And for you, I know for you, it was a, a very, for me, I knew that God had a, a plan, something different. I'm an adult. It's easier for me. It's not like someone had taken away writing for me. It was your thing. And, and, you know, there was a little piece of me that was like, I'm glad I don't have to worry about you going out on the field again. But that the bigger piece was my heart was broken for you. Um, what was that like over the, you know, the, the darkest part of your story really is just how you, how you felt in the season after that. Yeah, totally. I think that, you know, first of all, I think if you're listening, it might not be football, 
it might not be sports. Maybe it's uh, your son that God took too early. And that's, in my opinion, way harder than what I had to deal with. Or maybe it's a cancer diagnosis. And as an adult, I look back on it now and I'm, yeah, I'm so grateful that it wasn't anything worse. And, and there's a lot of people mm-hmm. going through a lot worse. But in the moment, that was that was everything to me. Yeah. I mean, 100%, I look back and it was football, like, you know, God family, which is definitely not the order you want your life to be in. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was so mad at God after that happened. I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand going to church. I couldn't stand. I, I did not want anything to do with God. <clears throat> To me, it felt like such a cruel thing. It felt like such a cruel thing that God would make me 6'5", that he would make me have the speed and the strength and the build to be uh, a, a D1 football player, possibly in the NFL. Not only that, but to give me the desires to want to do it, to give me the passion. And then, you know, it felt like a tease. It felt like God had put a door in front of me and... He said, oh, here, perfect. Run right to it. I, here it is. It's opening. I can see the door opening. I can see the, the, the scholarships coming in, the, the scholar, scholarship offers coming in from, from these amazing schools. And then he slammed the door in my face is how it felt. Uh, mm. Now, obviously, I, you know, I'm so glad God is patient. I'm so glad he's patient with his children. And I was just a hurt kid. I was a hurt kid who wasn't sure, you know, the plans God had had for him. I, I didn't see that there would be a purpose for my life outside of football. I didn't see that. And it just took, it, it took about a couple of years before I really started to realize, okay, being mad at, at God isn't going to bring football back. You know, it's not like if I sit there and I'm mad at God enough and I go, God, why'd you do this to me? It's not like that's going to bring football back. It's not like that's yeah. going to be, oh, if I, you know, <laughs> if I'm mad at God, then I can play again. And I realized right. that. And uh, I also realized that, that alone, though, I mean, that alone is a beautiful piece of your story that yeah. in, in the in the beauty of your own heart and the way that God made your emotional heart um, that you could see that I, you know, you were able to to see some uh, the sun broke through the clouds and you were able to remember again that God is God and he loves us. Even when exactly. we go through something hard, you got mature enough to, be able to see that other people go through hard things, too. There was that. Um, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. I couldn't have, me and dad couldn't do that for you. Only you could do that. Um, yes, holding and I think the too, hands of God. If I, if I may, I think too, it's, it's one of those things where I'm a happy person. I like to think, you know, yeah, I like to make the most are. of life. I'd love to enjoy a sunset and stop and really soak up the little moments. And I wasn't doing that. I was bitter. Life isn't fun. If, if you're listening and you're bitter and you know, life is not fun when you're bitter. Yeah. And it was Matthew eleven twenty eight that really spoke to me uh, in an I Am Second video. And it was, you know, that's come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I just remember thinking, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of being so bitter. I'm so tired of, of being miserable, of not enjoying life, of being mad at the one thing who's given me life, you know. And it's like, no matter what circumstances we're going through, our life is a gift, and we've been blessed with so with such amazing things, you know, even when we get the bad diagnosis. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know full well that there's a chance I'm going to have to have another heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And I have to deal yeah. with that, you know, every time I go in. And there's that thing, that, that thought in the back of my mind. But I yeah. know that God's got my steps. And so it just, I, I'm so glad he's patient with us, you know. Yeah, exactly. I remember uh, you finding media arts. 
and yeah. at, at, at high school, um, a new team, a new kind of a situation. And tell what was that like? Yeah, I mean, so after football, I didn't know, again, I didn't know what I was going to do. And it still took years after high school to really come back to being in a great place with the Lord. And, uh, yeah. but I was so blessed that God put uh, two things. He put the school choir who was, who was headed by Mrs. Young. She's an amazing woman. And she gave me a place to have community, which I, I was, I was missing incredibly. I was missing the locker room. I was missing the guys. And, and this was, I, by the way, the big choir. This was the this was the competitive choir. Yeah, who so knew that the, the like big six foot five? Choir. Yeah, and that our that the school's big six foot five. You know, tight end could sing. You have such a beautiful voice. Oh well, thank you. I, I just was grateful to be there and grateful to have a space. And then God also brought media <laughs> arts, uh, and 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 you know the teacher Michael Elson, and that was where I really started to fall in love with filmmaking. Uh, with all things storytelling. And, and that really was the spark in my life to go, hey, maybe this is something I could, I could do. And at the time, I still hadn't done acting, but I was enjoying just the process of coming up with a story uh, on film. Right. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. I remember you took a, uh, an acting class, like just a drop-in class, and they had a couple of local agents that went to the class. There were probably 20, 30 students that day that dropped in. And... <gasps> They only chose, I think, one uh, that they wanted to represent, and that was you. Uh, yes. So it was uh, you came home and said, "Hey, you know, this agent wants to represent me," and, it, and I checked into it. It was very legit, and so you know, it was it was like, "Well, wait a minute." And then you know what you said to me? Um, it was it was an incredible moment. You came to me and Dad, and you said, "Maybe this is what God has for me." And you got kind of quiet, and I think you had you know maybe tears in your eyes a little bit, and you said, "If I become an actor." then maybe I can score a touchdown again. Maybe I can suit up again. Maybe I could join the military, things I couldn't do with a, with a bicuspid aortic valve and things I can't, I can't put on a helmet in real life. But maybe, maybe if I'm an actor, maybe I can do that again. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, of course, we were like, yes, you know, that's, that's great. That's amazing. We were excited, but like deep inside, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, the idea that you're going to, you know, get be an actor and get a part and the part would be in a football movie and you would wear a uniform and you would score a touchdown. I'm like, well, that will take God. <laughs> because <laughs> That's like an impossible ask. But you were so earnest and so sincere, you know, just still a high school kid. Or were you high school then? Was that I was uh, about to head off into college when I took okay, my yeah. acting class. Yeah, because so. you went to Liberty University. Probably of course, early and- college, yeah. Yeah, they had been recruiting you as well, you know. So, and before you went off to before you went off to college, a couple of benchmarks. One, your team won state. Mm-hmm. Your high school football team won state, and they invited you to come down onto the field to be part of that celebration. And I just cried. I cried, and a friend looked at me and said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah, but I am." But he's on the field again. And it's probably for the last time. Like, it's just like, I knew it was just like a moment. You got to get a ring. You got to be part of that. You know, they wanted you to be part of it. But it was so bittersweet, you know, mm-hmm. that moment was. So now here you are and you're wanting to be a, an actor. Maybe you can score a touchdown. And I'm thinking, okay, so I prayed, Lord, only you <clears throat> could make that happen. And then it was, um, you know, a, a few years later that you got cast in 12 Mighty Orphans, the Sony Classics film that was about a true story about a team of orphans that overcame all the odds and did exceedingly well in Texas in football back in what, the 1930s, 1940s, 1930s. Yeah. 
in the Great Depression kind of era, mm-hmm. and you were cast as the bully, kind of the the star player on the team that didn't think the orphans had a chance. And in the opening few minutes of that movie, what happens? I get to score a touchdown, which is only God <laughs> for sure. Oh, like I God. think you're, I think you're, you're young and beautiful faith and the fact that we believed in you my dad believed in me and my mom believed in me and so like we wanted to really believe in our kids and their dreams that they had but i think that you just like were like yeah this i knew this would happen and and for me mm-hmm. i was like this is just it's a miracle truly and and every time I, I i went with you when it came out you and i went um to an afternoon showing and dad was at work and uh, he got to see it, you know, a couple of days later with when we, remember we, we got a theater, we rented a theater out and yes, yeah. had everybody come and see it and celebrate. But when you and I went, I just cried watching that scene. And we have a sweet picture that we took outside the theater that day where, you know, you can tell I've been crying and you just have your arm around me. And it reminded me a little bit of those days we would go to the hospital and get those checkups together, you know, with you getting your heart checkup. But here we're going to see God having been so faithful to allow you to score a touchdown and do something else that you love with a different mm-hmm. kind of team and totally. uh, 12 mighty orphans. So yeah, that was, that, was, that was such a blessing. And, um, you know, I think I always get to say, I don't know how long I'll be able to be blessed enough to do acting, but I'm, I'm so regardless, I'm so thankful for the fact that God put it in my life. You know, he knew yeah. I needed something else. He knew I needed that purpose and that passion to chase and, yeah. um, and, and in a way it was the, the, the pretty bow tied in and, and it completed the circle, you know, uh, yeah. it's not the touchdown I wanted to score in a lot of ways. No. Yeah. It's not where I wanted to be. It's not how I wanted my football journey to end, but mm-hmm. I'm so, so incredibly grateful that I was able to be a part of it. So incredibly grateful that I was able to do it. Uh, and it, it just I, be- show, I mean, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say you came home with solid bruises. I mean, you definitely yes. played. Yes, for sure. I'm like, I don't know if this is okay with his heart, but thank you, Lord, for protecting him. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah, it was fun. It, and it was an incredible experience. And I got to work with such with amazing actors and, and actors who I grew up watching and, and I looked up to. And that was an incredible experience. And I, and, But I think what was really the thing that I took away from it was that God loves his children. You know, I think that <clears throat> I get emotional when I think about God's love because in a lot of ways – I'm more flawed than I ever was before I lost football. You know, I used to think I was the perfect Christian and I did X, Y, and Z perfect. And, and I used to think that was why, you know, I got God's love. And that's just not what it is. That's not what Christianity is. It's not what the gospel is. You know, the gospel is we're all so screwed up. We're all so flawed that that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need his love. Yeah. I couldn't go a single day. I couldn't take a single breath without him. So I'm far from perfect, far, far, far from perfect but I need Jesus every day. And I really got to learn that after football when I made my faith my own and I got to wrestle with him. And 12 Mighty Orphans really showed to me, like I said, who knows how long I'll get to the privilege of telling stories, but it really showed me that God loves his children. And he has a plan for everybody. You know, if you're listening right now and you're going through a hard time or you feel maybe lost or confused, he loves his children and he has a plan for you. He's not going to let you down. And, and it wasn't just smooth sailing. You know, it's not like I booked 12 Mighty Orphans, then I booked everything, and then I'm a working actor. It's no. Yeah. I still have to struggle sometimes to pay my bills. I still, I do it because I love it. You know, right mm-hmm. after that, we had COVID that shut down the industry. And then shortly after that, we had a strike that almost shut, yeah. that shut down the industry for almost a year. So it's not like it's been smooth sailings. And I think that, that 
you can find God's love and God's presence and God's plan for you. And it might not look like the perfect dream you wanted, but you can find it if you really are, are grateful. And if you're humble enough to go, okay, God, maybe this isn't how I wanted it to look, but what are you doing in my life? You know, if you have that, that presence of just openness to go, okay, Mm. God, show me. And I still have to remind myself that every day. That's a daily struggle for me to go, okay, God, show me where you want me. You know, let me be patient. Let me trust, truly trust in your plan. Cause it's easy for me to want to grab, grab the steering wheel and take control, you know? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I think, um, I, next week, we're going to be talking about the Baxter family, and I've got a couple of Hollywood stars themselves who were falling in love with the Baxters as I was writing them, and we're going to talk about that. But um, but for right now, uh, you've given people so much to think about, that if you're going through something and you're listening to this, uh, God has something for you at the other end. He is still there. He loves you. He has not, he has not left you. He's not forsaken you. And then Austin, I would just love it if you would close our beautiful conversation uh, today in prayer and uh, thank you so much for being a part of this show today oh, I would love to pray and it's been such an honor and such a blessing alright let's pray dear Lord thank you so much God for this uh, for this beautiful day Lord Jesus thank you for the gift of life God the gift of health I pray that we don't take those things for granted God thank you so much for the breath in our lungs Lord uh, thank you for the opportunity that we've been able to have to come here and have a conversation God to talk about um, all the incredible highs and lows of life God life is not always a beautiful thing or a pretty thing or a perfect thing God but it is such a gift and the relationships you get to make along the way are such a gift and uh, we're just so thankful for the time that we get to have on this earth God Um, I pray that you can continue to use us to glorify you Lord I pray that you be with the people out there who are listening or or who are watching God I pray that they can feel your presence in their life, God, that they can feel your direction and your guidance. And I pray that they are able to know that they are loved, God. And it's not a love that they have to earn, God, but it's a love that they just need to be humble enough to accept. Uh, We love you, we praise you, and we want to thank you for everything, God. It's your breath in our lungs, Lord. And it's in your name I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Austin. Thanks for having me. It was an honor.